Welcome to Life After Business, the podcast that helps you understand what your company is worth and what your exit options are. Host Ryan Tansom and his guests give you all the information you need to get clarity and control over your business, build a valuable company to be proud of, and exit on your terms. Sponsored by Arcona's Growth and Exit Bootcamps. Three days jam-packed with material on the five growth and exit principles and the world of mergers and acquisitions. You'll walk away knowing exactly what steps to take to get your target valuation and your best exit option. Three days at Arcona's Bootcamp will give you the clarity to control the rest of the journey. Morning, Mary. How are you doing? Great. How are you today, Ryan? Doing good. I am glad you're on the show. You and I have uh, a quite a few mutual friends. Um, We met through the Florida, Grow Florida and uh, CEO Nexus. And you, was it two years ago that we we met each other at the retreat? Or was it just last year? I can't remember. But you have got a lot of fun stuff going on and you've got a book that is coming out and you have a lot of stuff that I'm excited to to dive into. So for the listeners that are not familiar with you, maybe just kind of give us your background. How did you get into the into the world of entrepreneurship and women leadership. I mean, I know you've got a huge passion for it and we've got a lot to talk about, but how did, what was the journey to where you are today? Well, thank you for asking. I started out in consulting. I was one of those people that always wanted to be a consultant. And when I got out of graduate school, my background's leadership and organizational development, organizational behavior. I worked for two large firms. So I had the opportunity to really cut my teeth working with big companies and seeing how they assessed and developed leaders. When I started my own firm, because I've always been an entrepreneur, when I was a little kid, I always sold the most Girl Scout cookies in my troop, and <laughs> I used to you know, set up uh, little stands and sell flowers and bake goods and all of those kinds of things. I always, I always loved that. So I, I thought, well, I do this for big companies. Why can't I do it myself? And so when I started my firm, uh, one of my clients actually recommended me to Inc. Magazine. At the time, Inc. was setting up a program for CEOs called the Inc. Eagle CEO program. And I, together with other people from across the country, were hired as subcontractors. And they asked us to help them design and implement the Inc. Eagle CEO program. And because in my work, I had done so much executive coaching and also facilitation on a professional level in love to design things, I was one of the people who helped make the program be really, really successful. Implemented it here in Tampa as well as other places and had some great entrepreneurs. The one thing I noticed in my work with entrepreneurs is despite my best efforts, and it really hasn't changed because I I still work with a couple of CEO groups that you've, you've spoken to, is that I can't find as many women. So we always have a few women that are part of our yep. tables, but you know, there's a dynamic of it's lonely at the top for entrepreneurs that plays out for entrepreneurial women, but it also plays out for women in leadership roles in, in larger companies. So that's where I got the idea to start the Key Women's Leadership Forum. And the purpose of the forum is to bring together women who are in leadership roles, usually more senior leadership roles, like the CFO, COO, and again, CEO of their own entrepreneurial company to not only focus on on business issues, but to focus on what's purposeful for them, mind, body, spirit, uh, and career. And so we go deeper than perhaps some other board of advisor type peer groups uh, in our sessions. 
And uh, it helps women with some of the unique obstacles that they face in what they do. So I continue working with entrepreneurs, male and female, and really loving this program, which is expanding. We have seven forums running in Tampa, one in Sarasota, and we're about to start one in Atlanta. That's super exciting. And, and uh, explain the book that is about to come out. So you, you, this, you and I had talked about uh, the complications and hardships of writing a book. So you, you got a uh-huh. book about to come out. And what, so what, what, what inspired you to write the book? Well, you know, I've always liked writing and I like to write about not only my experience, but to compile things so people don't have to synthesize things from a variety of different places. So this is actually my fourth book. First book was called The Entrepreneurial Cat, 13 Ways to Transform Your Work Life. And it uses the analogy of the cat to help entrepreneurs look at some guiding principles to be more effective. Things like focus while hunting or clean the litter box. Uh, and uh, so then I, I wrote a book called CEO Road Rules, right? Focus, right? People, right? Execution. And in it, we interviewed over 50 CEOs of successful companies and shared the, the real secrets of what made them successful. A lot of the, thing, the things you do around exit and the things that really need to be in place with with a vision and operational excellence, growth, having those advisors and, and reaching out. This book really compiles for women some of the strategies and competencies and techniques they can use because women do encounter things very differently in the business world than men do in general. And that's why a lot of women become entrepreneurs. It gives them more freedom. But there are things that women struggle with, like, for example, I might say to you in a very straightforward way, Ryan, I'd really appreciate it if you would do X. And if I say that to you and you have a little bit of a gender bias, you're going to say, wow, where is she coming from? How can she talk to me that way? When a guy would say the same thing to you and you wouldn't have that reaction. We see that in meetings a lot. You know, like some of these women are the only woman on an executive team or one of few, and they'll bring up a great idea. Nobody seems to hear them tone deaf. And then 15 minutes later, a guy will bring up the same idea and everybody gets excited. So these are some of the kinds of things that women experience in leading that don't always happen to men. But then why is there a problem and what is the, what's the root of it? Sure, sure. And that is such a a key question and I'll come back to it. I I just want to say a couple things uh, because you you said something earlier that uh, really resonated with women's strengths. The book is Seizing Success, A Woman's Guide to Transformational Leadership. And one of the underlining premises of the book is that, and something I think that women need to pay attention to that you're noticing, is that women have strengths that can help them now and into the future be a transformational leader. Mm -hmm. So let's unpack. What's a transformational leader? It's someone that has an inspiring vision. It's someone that is more likely to see we instead of I. Collaborative. Countless studies show, in general now, that women tend to be more collaborative than men. They are bent toward wanting to coach and develop others. That's an aspect of being an entrepreneurial leader. Entrepreneurial and and also a transformational leader. Transformational leaders also engage others. Well, how do they do this? They create meaning for the people that work for them. 
So if I work for someone, they can show me how what I'm doing, even if it seems mundane and just boring, how that activity really contributes to a bigger picture. And I shift my thinking there. Yep. And then, you know, lastly, this idea of developing others to develop your successor is something all good entrepreneurs do. And I think women are particularly bent toward it. And so, you know, in the past, there's been a more autocratic model that, it, that has helped organizations grow. We're really leaving that, even in entrepreneurial companies. Uh, I know we talk a lot about, you know, there's many entrepreneurial companies that do really you know, well with culture and engagement. There are a lot that don't. I mean, I have, I have worked now with entrepreneurs <laughs> for over 20, 20 years. I can tell you, many entrepreneurs have control issues. They're entrepreneurs because they want to <laughs> control everything. Yep. And they, they don't care about collaboration. So my point here is that women can take some of these strengths and really build on them. Now, there's some yeah. things that, in, in general... Um, men at times do better. And, and again, they're, you know, they're extreme. So you've got these badass women who go, but go for it, which is great. A lot of women are less, are, are, are less risk-taking or more risk adverse than men under stress. In fact, some studies show that when men are under stress, they tend to take more risks and chances, which can result in something very positive for an entrepreneur. Women, on the other hand, tend to freeze up more under those situations. They grow up, people, and this gets to your next question, why does this happen? You know, if you've got, you've got a girl, don't you? Don't you have a little girl? I, I've, my whole life is around my women. I've got two twin girls that are almost three. I've got a wife and then my black lab is a female too. Okay. Well, <laughs> we talk about your, two, your twin girls here. Um, we bring up girls differently. We reinforce, we reinforce girls for being good, for being perfect, for getting good grades. You know, some little girls rebel, but uh, being nice is important. So we ingrain that there. And, you know, little Johnny, you know, as long as he shows up for his class and doesn't create too many problems, parents are better with that. And so it starts young, but there also is a gender bias. You know, we, the, the, characteristics that we admire in a leader being decisive being assertive being quick and you know in terms of response these are these are things that uh line up with our view of men but it still doesn't line up for many people not all but many for women and so women have that gender bias in my book, I talk about a study that Sheryl Sandberg also talked about, who's done at Harvard, and it was about an entrepreneur. So it's an interesting case study for, for your listeners in that there was a very successful entrepreneur, Heidi Rosen. Harvard wrote this case study on how she built her entrepreneurial company. They changed one thing. They gave half the MBA students who all have to be at Harvard with ex work experience. So these are not people just coming out of a four-year college. Okay, yeah. They're working on their MBAs. Yep. Half got the case study that said Howard Rosen and mm. half got the case study that said Heidi Rosen. And to a statistically significant level, the students, both male and female, made comments like Heidi and ha Heidi is talented, but I sure wouldn't want to work for her. And the same case study, Howard is a great guy. He's a talented entrepreneur. It would be great to work 
with him. The only thing that was changed in the case study, which was written, you didn't see a video of anybody, was the name of the person. So crazy, isn't it? It is crazy. I mean, so these are some of the roots of why yeah, yeah. there is this going on. And that's why, in addition to writing the book and talking about strategies women can use to, to be more confident, to be more assertive, uh, to handle the pressure to perform better, that's another thing that happens for women. You, you and I could walk in and you could say you're a successful consultant running your own firm and people would, in, in, unless you really screwed up, they'd probably buy that, right? A lot of women will walk in to the same situation and feel like people are scrutinizing them to make sure that they really can do what their title indicates. Mm-hmm. And so that's another form of uh so there's this pressure of i have to be performing i have to get it right because i'm being judged it's a, it's a lot of pressure and in the you're kind of going back to because you made a lot of really good points and i just you know going back to some of the other conversations that we've had in the past remember like i you know and i it might be my age because it just in potentially some of the people that i've interviewed and what i the sheer amount of companies that i see into were like like you listed all those, <laughs> all those characteristics of a, de- of a transformational leader, it, regardless of whether you had male or female in it, those are like the best definitions of a leader. <laughs> and it's like collaborative coaching, developing up and, and just some, some kind of, um, you know, some thoughts on some of the comments is like, you, it's like almost such a duck to me because you look at that and you say, well, all of those things, you know, if you think about all the things that on all the CEO peer groups that you're involved in, I talk to a lot of them. Everybody complains about trying to hire people today. Well, it's like, because it's, there's a real talent void, there's a talent void, but so then therefore the people that have dictatorships in their companies, you're not going to, who, like, why would you want to go work for someone like that? You want, like yeah. I said to this, uh, this woman yesterday, she, I was like, yeah, my, I mean, my wife's old company, it like, it was a good successful, profitable company, but like all she wanted was someone to say, thank you. Like you're, we're appreciating what you're doing. And it just was not a culture of that, which is just ridiculous. And Uh I think, you know, so not only is that the, I think a lot of these characteristics very leaning towards the conscious capitalism leader, like you and I've talked about. um, Uh Also, Mary, like the, the companies that I work in, like the problem that most of these entrepreneurs have is because they've been the person because of whatever, maybe by ego reasons, or they just had all this stuff in their head. They don't have a number two or a next development developed leadership. And their company's literally worth like a fourth of what it could be because of their egos or their need to want to touch everything. And so it's just like this weird dynamic now where there's, I think the the world is kind of teeing it up where I think women could take the reins or become the next level leadership. Or I don't know. It just, it, like I said, it almost is like a no brainer to me, but it just doesn't seem like it. Well, that's one of the reasons I wrote this book to encourage women, because I think the external environment never has been this good. Over 25% of Congress for the first time in our history, coming up on 4th of July, our nation's history are women. And uh, we have women 2020 on boards. I'm active with that. Wanting 20% of publicly traded companies, I think all companies, but 20% to be uh, made up of women. And the state of California recently passed a law where any company registered in California will be required to have 20% women on their boards. 
so there, this external, the Me Too movement, people calling out on others. I was just listening to a, I love film, and I was just listening to Bob Mandela, who is a great film critic, talk about uh, this new movie coming out called Maiden. It's about, it's a documentary about a, a, a woman uh, captain and the yacht races and all the, the whole crew was all female. And this was, uh, it's coming out now, but it was or filmed or, or the, it, this actually happened quite a few years back. And they show the prejudice that these women had to go through and how, you know, even the questions that they get asked uh, and, and, and how that relates to what you do is that women are asked questions that are more protection oriented, like, well, how are you going to do that? Or, you know, what are you going to do to avoid this? Whereas when men are interviewed, uh, entrepreneurs, they're, they're many times the questions they get asked are growth questions. So, you know, where do you see your company growing in the next five years? And so there's a, there's even a distinction sometimes, which is not always conscious and the kinds of questions women get asked when they have the same job as a guy. Interesting. And, and so now uh, through the uh, environment, putting a squeeze on people in terms of hiring talent, maybe some people running companies will look at a woman for a number two that they might not have. I actually and, think... Sorry, I, I want to. I want to jump on. That's that. what you were saying, right? Oh, well, I was going to say. I. I actually honestly believe that they're. You know, so I. I, th- I take a, like a handful of my really good customers, and the, the, honestly, people that I see at these, you know, CEO roundtables is like, you have an owner that has grown a company, that has grown a great culture. Like, let's say, like they 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 do have a great culture. They are the humble entrepreneur and. You know, they've built this and they, they might have had, you know, more of the sales leadership role. So they had to hire like more of the operational people, right? So the doers getting getting stuff done, making stuff that, you know, things are tight. There's a gap being able like to hand off that some of the reason that these entrepreneurs can't leave is because there's no like handoff of the culture baton, which is really challenging because it's been a humble, great, you know, culture. CEOs. So I think that there's an opportunity for women to come in as that next, next gen leader because, uh-huh. because I agree. it's, I mean, it's a huge, it's a huge home run for everybody. I honestly believe it. It, it really is. And I think that part of the development for women, so, you know, through these key women leadership forums that, that I, and some of my partners facilitate, one of the things that, that we do is we really give people a safe place to work on how can I be a better leader? Everybody has a leadership scorecard. We, we track that and provide quarterly coaching in addition to the monthly meetings. And I have seen so many women prepare themselves for that number two slot. Just recently, one of the women that's been a, a member for quite some time went from almost leaving the organization to working on strategies with the CEO. And now she's been made the number two person. And um, just knocking it out of the park. That's awesome. The other thing that happens for women, you know, on their end, is that many times women feel like they have to have all the qualities and characteristics to fulfill a job. And th- this has been an observation at a lot of organizations. Facebook, for example, has observed this that they might put out a description internally, and maybe a guy has 50, 60% of what is required for that job, and they throw their hat in. <laughs> and some of these talented women that yeah. like have 90, 95% of everything they need, they get asked, why didn't you apply? And they said, well, I, I don't think I have all the things I need yet. 
Why so, is that? The, well, again, it goes back to this perfection and this questioning themselves in terms of confidence. I was talking to a book publisher who said, oh, how can you talk about ex- you know, executive women not being confident? Well, <laughs> I have to tell you that, that confidence is an issue. It's not like the normal confidence you see, you know, being able to speak in front of a room or, you know, stand up for something they believe in, but, but just keeping, having the resilience to stay confident when the rest of the group doesn't see it the same way is, seems to be more challenging for women. What is the underlying cause of that? I mean, is it like, cause I, I mean, I remember when I read those stats and I, I mean, I think I, a lot of male entrepreneurs probably tend towards like the, you know, the, the risk taking and then the, the sales, which I think sales people, women or men, like, you, you yeah, do, they do. I mean, again, I'm talking generalities yeah, here, right? No, no, but I, but, but I love it. Her. But I, I, I think you're right though. Is like, why, like, is it, what, what is the root cause of the, the lack of confidence when they're well, that? I don't think there's one thing, but I do think that gender bias uh, is a huge factor. So, you know, at a fairly young age, women are treated differently. And when they don't get, we talked earlier about assertiveness. So mm-hmm. when a woman asserts herself, She's a bitch. When a yeah, guy yeah, asserts yeah. himself, he's a decision maker. Yeah. So that that does, you know, try your confidence. So you know, yeah. a, a lot of the badass entrepreneurial women I know, um, you know, just decided to create their own system because they didn't want to put up with it anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's why so many women are becoming the entrepreneurs. Uh, you know, it, that and the fact that they can create a a situation with better work-life integration than they might be able to if they work for a big company. So there's not one thing, but there is a gender bias. There is a, there is a perception of women being different and that sometimes when they come across with the masculine, I put masculine in quotes, characteristics that we've already discussed, they're not seen the same way. Now, one thing that's interesting is some of the research I've looked at uh, talks about how women can improve how they come across and be more assertive uh, if they were, were to pay more attention to some of the nonverbal things, because um, people don't react as negatively or negatively at all to nonverbal assertiveness. So what does that look like? Nonverbal assertiveness is making eye contact with people. It's sitting straight up, shoulders back. It's taking up space, kind of a positive version of, of mansplaining. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> taking yeah. up the space and not like, you know, and not necessarily, you know, hanging with every word the person makes. So uh, sort of non-verbally and verbally then saying, well, thanks. And then going on to the next thing. And so there's an assertiveness that women can show non-verbally that, um, has a better response, which is very interesting to me. That's very interesting. And that right there, it's like, you know, from all the sales training I've had for the decades I've been doing sales, like that's kind of like what you're taught. And that stuff yes. takes a lot of work because you have to be so aware in the moment to be able right. to or like being conscious of that stuff and changing it. It's very challenging. As a good salesperson, you you know that also the non-verbally mimicking what your prospect is um, doing, you know, how they're 
holding themselves, how they're describing things, to mirror that uh, can be a very powerful nonverbal way of asserting as well. 